the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Roe versus Wade has been overturned. What does it mean for the church? And then, how do we deal with anxiety well? You're listening to The Common Good. Hey everybody, welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us on this summer Monday afternoon. Aubrey, it's it's good to be here. I don't know if it's good to be is back. Is it good to be back? Because you were on vacation last week. Right, and right. So how, how, how are you doing? Are you okay? I always get a little post-vacation blues. A little bit. I tend to be more like, all right, I'm back. Let's get yeah, into yeah. things. You do have a renewed energy, I can tell. I do. It'll last probably for about 45 minutes. But then, <laughs> uh, no, um, it's good to be back. Yeah. But, uh, I'm going to tell you a little some vacation stories later. Vacation okay. was fantastic. Really? Oh, I'm so I, glad. Good I for you. I love vacation. I love my family. Mm. I love the beach. Like we we lined up things that are in my happy mm. zone, if you will. Uh, and so it was good. But Aubrey, there's only one spot to start today's show. It was weird being away and uh, things landing on Friday. Um, <clears throat> a little something happened in our uh, country. Just something slightly happened. So obviously, unless you've been living under a rock, right. you're fully aware uh, that Roe versus Wade was overturned. Yeah. Now, this had been um, kind of uh, seen coming from that leak that came right. out. So it wasn't right. shocked, but to see it happen yeah. really was shocking. Yes. So I guess I just want to start there. Uh, your reaction when you first uh, heard the news? Yeah, I mean, it, it it was a little wild because though, like you said, there was the leak, I think I was still not expecting this news yeah. to come out on Friday. And so I was like, oh, oh, oh. And then I went on social media as I do. And I think I was honestly, though I'm celebrating, I recognize it's a very complicated issue. And now it's like the church needs to get to work. Right. Would a, a little bit surprise me, Brian, and I hope this doesn't come across wrong, but how many people were just immediately on it on social media? Like immediately like, this is the best news ever. This is about, And it was like no one was taking time to like process this major to, thing that just happened. Or to read the, the decision. Yeah, yeah. So that was a little that was a little wild for me. And obviously what we know is. This doesn't mean like abortion is banned. Like no. every state now has its own decision to make. And so depending on where you live and where it's run, we'll see these, you know, we'll see this play out. Yep. But I do think generally uh, many pro-life Christians are celebrating because we never thought this day would come. So for me, when I saw it happen, social media was a not a good place to be over the weekend. Yeah. Because uh, when I first heard it, like you, there's that surprise. There's this. If anyone's listened to this show, they know where you and I stand. Mm -hmm. uh, very much uh, wanting to see abortion go away. But I think you bring up an important point. Uh, if some people read this very simplistically, well, Roe versus Wade went away, so all abortions are illegal. That is not what this is, right? It's what you said. This right. has now been placed back in the hands of the state. So the state we live in, uh, nothing's really going to change, right? Exactly. Not here but in Chicago. You yeah. go to a place like Missouri or Tennessee, mm -hmm. it's already changed. Right. And they're already closing clinics. And yeah. so 
this is becoming a, a state thing now. Uh, and so on, on that side, you want to make sure, okay, let me understand what's going on here. On the other side, can I just be blunt? Uh, there's a lot of people, at least on my timeline, whether in the media or just people being retweeted and stuff, uh, on the on the more progressive pro-choice side, yeah. who have really shown their cards to be really pro-abortion. Yeah, it's like, true. Some of the arguments that are being made that I read over the weekend were heartbreaking. Mm. There was literally one of a mom uh, of a special needs kid who said because she couldn't get an abortion, now she has a special needs kid. And I'm like... Like you have a special, like you have a special you have a baby. needs kid. Let's and, celebrate that. And we have come such a long way yeah. from know, uh, Bill Brian. Clinton's, you know, as rare as possible, mm-hmm. ba- basically mm-hmm. safe and rare. Mm-hmm. To now, it is like uh, a- abortion for everybody at all times for whatever reason. And it's yeah, we've gone to our our other, you know. It's been a lot about uh, you know rape and incest and stuff. Yeah. I'm be like, like that's such a small portion. Those are big important yes, conversations. Of course they are. But I feel like we've gone to the extreme polls, and, yeah. and I think we need to like have a measured tone and go, all right, some studies you and I have quoted before, it said when Roe versus Wade, if and when it is overturned, it will reduce abortions nationwide by 12%. Yeah. That is to be celebrated. Right. But if right. you think this is an elimination, right. it's just not the case. And so um, we're going to talk in a little, well, let's, let's start it here, yeah. and we'll talk about it later. Yep. How should Christians, pro-life Christians, I don't want to at all say that all Christians mm-hmm. are, are supportive of this, right. but for those of us who felt a measure of joy mm-hmm. over this, wh- what now? What's the response yeah. as opposed to, yeah. hey, yeah, we want, no, that's not it. Yeah. Like, what is the response here? We are going to talk a little later in the show about different Christian responses, a conversation I had in particular with a friend of mine, but I... I will say um, I I don't think though we are celebrating and like this is this feels like, wow, God, you did something we never thought we'd see happen in our country. This isn't a moment I don't think to go on social media and be celebrating. Yeah. I Because what what happens now is we have to know that the onus, the burden falls to women and a lot of women out there are going to feel like they don't have agency, they don't have choice, they don't have an option. And so now this is a moment for the church to come together collectively, communally, be a family, be the body that we're called to be, and support women who are experiencing pregnancies that surprise them and like really come around, like kind of be that old, like, you know, it takes a village. Like we're all going to raise this baby together. We're all going to support this mom together. We're all going to encourage dad to actually be involved. So it doesn't all fall to the mom. The responsibility doesn't fall to her. So it's like, I, I can't remember. Maybe Matt Chandler, somebody on social media said like, now it's just time for us to roll up our sleeves and get yeah, to work yeah. to real ministry. And I think that's what we can't forget in this. I've been shocked. Uh, maybe I haven't been shocked actually. Um, it, this weekend has also been a reminder of how a lot of our culture views, quote unquote, evangelical Christians. Yeah. And whether you agree with it or not, you're under that umbrella out there as, yeah. as church people. Yeah. Um, man, the vitriol has been pretty high. Mm-hmm. And it's it been, been you're trying to kill moms. You're killing mom. You know, moms are going to die. Uh, this is going to happen. You believe yeah. you're trying to take every right away. Yeah. We're, handmaid's Tale. And I'm like. I don't know. I just don't want to see babies aborted. But right, like, I, I'm right. not, a, you know, a monster. We want right, to have a conversation right. about this. Um, and it got me thinking, as I've told you, we just finished this weekend preaching through the book of First Peter at our church. And 
I think Peter says something that is so important to our time right now. And I talked to you about it the other day. It was 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. He says, live such good lives mm. uh, that though they malign you, yeah. uh, they will feel basically ashamed for it because yeah. of the life that you lead. Yeah. Like now is not the time. I don't think there's a lot of people on Twitter who think I'm wrong about yeah. what I'm saying. I don't think now's the time to fight fire with fire. Right. Now's the time, as you said, for the church to continue to not to start. People need to know the church has been carrying water in this for a long for time. For a long time. But now's the time for churches to carry more of the water. Yeah. To yeah. step in and go, I don't want to yell about this. Yeah. I just want to serve moms. Yeah. I want to adopt babies. Yeah. I want to support crisis pregnancy That's centers. It. Yeah. I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of like straw man out there being like, oh, you be-. no. I, but OK, if you're going to say that about us. Yeah. Just I, I've got more important things to do right now. I, I don't see a lot of that going on. David French wrote an article that he said that basically, unfortunately, he doesn't believe that the that the Christian right right now is set up well mm, to carry this. We're well. not ready for this. That's exactly what he yeah, said. And yeah. I do worry about that. But I think we as individual Christians and individual churches can say, OK, how do I move the ball forward? Yeah. And as Peter said, live such good lives in this that people will go, okay, they actually meant what they said. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like, at the, this is a moment where it's not about the things we're saying on Twitter, but our lives need to our lives need to speak louder. I think than yeah. our words, and um, this is a moment for compassion and empathy. And I think you're right, Brian. Like, we can't, in one sense, we can't totally be surprised by the vitriol. We can't also let it sway us. Like it is okay for us to have a stance that we feel like is solidly biblical when it comes to pro-life, even if the entire world says like that's hateful, that's wrong, that's right. evil. What we have to remember is like that's that's really, I think, the work of our spiritual enemy trying to name something that's good and from God and make us even believe that it's evil. So it's like this is a moment to be uh, as shrewd as serpents, but as innocent as that's doves. Good. That's good. Yeah. There's a lot of grandstanding going on out there right yeah, now. Yeah, there is. There's a lot. Uh, whether it be from uh, the mayor of Chicago, mm-hmm. whether it be from people on TV. And I don't yeah. think for Christians, now's the time to grandstand. I think now's the time to serve, yeah. to work, yeah. to pray, to love, to uh, put our money where our mouth is. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see because there's a lot of anger out there right now towards Christians, towards the Supreme Court, towards everything. Right. And I don't know that that's where our energy is best spent right now. And so we want to celebrate, mm-hmm. but we also want to talk about this as the be- not even the beginning. It's the it's the continuation. Yeah. But this is still abortions not going away. The needs are not going away. Yeah. The vitriol is not going away. Yeah. Uh, and and the church has a real real opportunity mm. right now to say that people are losing their mind. Aubrey almost feels like an understatement. Mm. You and I were just talking on air uh, off air about. Some things we've seen people post on both sides that you're just yeah, like. Yeah, it's a little surprising. Why, like some people just think that there's just going to be, you know, like this is going to be widespread death. And other right, people think right. that another, not another abortion will ever happen in our right. country. Like that's not what happened. That's not over what the happened. Weekend, but it was seismic. It was big. historical. It was big and lots of passion around. Yes, it. yes. Yeah. But things are happening now in courts. Uh, I was just reading this. A Louisiana judge has blocked the enforcement of statewide abortion ban designed to automatically go into effect when Roe versus Wade fell. And so I think you're going to see a lot of this. Right. Right. We live in a world where it's like, well, that happened. So no more abortions or this happened. So Mm -hmm. it's just not going to be the way it was. But or is. But I think what you and I where we want to land is 
what now for the church, for our nation? What do we do now? How do we, as they asked in Christianity Christianity Today, how to greet the end of Roe? I mm. want to start by uh, playing some um, audio from David French. David's been on our, uh, on our show French. many times. Yeah. He runs a podcast called The Good Faith Podcast. And this is a short clip from what David said on that podcast. This other thing that's a lot more sort of um, ephemeral, tough to really pin down, but it is this sort of notion of hope for the future. And and that's one that I think that a Christian community that is a community of life and joy and hope can really sort of intervene in those circumstances against the spirit of despair and hopelessness. Um, I, you know, I think one of the reasons why abortion rates went up in the last four years, in spite of the fact that abortion was more restricted, is we had a just a dramatic escalation. And this is even pre-pandemic in despair and yeah, instability. Right. Yep. And doing something about despair and instability is an incredibly important part of this puzzle. And so that, I think David, as yeah. oh, you, you and our big David. Yeah, people. he's so balanced so, in my mind anyway. Uh he says one of the things that we as the church have an opportunity to do here is that there's many different reasons that abortions take place. But he said one of the main ones, statistics tell us, is a sense of hopelessness. Mm. It's a sense of hopelessness, whether it be over poverty or life situation or whatever yeah. else it might be. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about David saying one of the best things the church can offer now in word and in deed is this picture of the hope that we have in Christ. Yeah, I mean, I think I th- later on in the show, we're going to talk about something that Karen Swallow Pryor said on Ed Stetzer's podcast about how Christians and the church need to be at the forefront of like um, giving people a vision for like beauty and goodness. And I feel like this is kind of the same thing. Like what, what we as Christians who are pro-life feel like we're talking about is a is a hope like they're actually God is going to do amazing things through your experience of bringing this child to life. Mm -hmm. And you don't even know, like, I don't mean like your child's going to save the world, but like what God is going to shape in you, in your family, in the next generation because of that and how the church can come around you with the hope that Jesus has a good plan for your life. I, I do think this all goes back to like part of our work now is helping people see that like there are good, hopeful options when you trust Jesus, even with the life of your child. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think in general, the church has that to offer to the world. To That's say, right. hey, uh, there is a lack of hope over the pandemic, yeah. over the uh, disunity of our country, over all these things. And unfortunately, the, the church often adds to those things. But instead, we have the opportunity to go, hey, listen. Like, uh, let me show you what it looks like to be grounded in a hope that is outside our circumstance. I think that's mm. what the gospel has uh, in many ways to offer. It's a hope outside of our circumstances. That's good. And yeah, that's really so good. So often we tie our hope to our circumstances, and that's where we kind of uh, go off course. Uh, Timothy Dalrymple, uh, the president, CEO, and editor-in-chief of Christianity Today, he wrote a editorial, mm-hmm. How to Greet the End of Roe. Let me just read how he ends it. Uh, Timothy says, how then should pro-life Christians celebrate the end of Roe? Perhaps by partnering with ministries such as the ones he talked about earlier. When a mom is advocated for 
families are preserved, foster care statistics plummet, and the foster care system's pipelines to poverty, prison, addiction, and homelessness mm. begin to slowly fade. Wow. The end of Roe will honor the sanctity of human life and deliver children safely into the world. But it will also bring real hardships for many mothers. Yeah. The best way we can celebrate the children who will be ro- born of mm. Roe's demise is to love the mothers who raised them. I wow. think that's a beautiful picture of the opportunity the church has now to say, uh, we are going to be the ones who step into the gaps yeah. uh, for the unborn. We are going to be the ones who step into the gaps and adopt and foster babies. Yeah. But we're also going to advocate for and support groups and whatever else we can do for the moms uh and the dads, but specifically the moms who are going to have to shoulder, you know, bringing babies into the world that maybe before they would not have done. Yeah, I think that's like and any time that I am wanting to be like, let's celebrate this. This is such a historical monumental decision. God did this. I Then I want to go, oh, OK, whoa. Now the uh, the responsibility does fall on us to love those moms whose lives have been changed to those dads whose lives have been changed, because at the end of the day, like there are real women in very complicated situations. And um, I this is sort of what we said before, but I think it's worth continuing to come back to like this is not the end of a fight. This is the beginning of ministry. This is the beginning of mm-hmm. us as a church being the hands and feet of Jesus and coming around these moms who, um, you know, may have before chosen abortion now won't, and they're going to need our support and our community as much as ever. And it's a beautiful opportunity though. I mean, I think that's the wonderful thing about this is this is an invitation from God in a lot of circumstances. Now, um, you know, we know, depending on the state that you live in, there are still going to be states where you can legally have an abortion Um, But for those states where abortion will no longer be an option and women choose not to travel, I do think it's incumbent upon the church to come up with some very practical mercy ministries, Mm -hmm. deacon ministry, whatever it is you want to call it, um, coming around orphans, coming around uh, foster care and coming around moms. That's right. And so if you're a pastor out there, if you're a church leader, somebody in a church, uh, kind of lean on your on the leadership of your church and go, okay, what are we doing now? Yeah. Uh, there are wonderful crisis pregnancy centers, yeah. I think, that need support now. There are people at kind of the tip of the spear, if you will, at the front end of this, to which we can say, that's good. Okay, we are here to help, as opposed to like what we talked about. Like, I think we're going to have choices going forward as Christians, like to fight all the battles of people maligning and saying things like, oh, you, oh, you all just believe this and this and. Or we can kind of uh, what the Bible says. We're gonna we're gonna put our faith yeah. into action yeah. and and love the people and and do the work that people are saying. Oh, you won't do that. Yeah, we will. We and will. The, yeah. Can I say one more thing about the abortion? Please thing? do. One of the things that often gets thrown out there is we well, then all the men should be held accountable too. Amen. Yes. Let me sign absolutely. up for that deal. Please. Let me sign up for that. If you yeah. want to pr- bring forth legislation that holds the yeah. men accountable. I would sign on Same. and support that. A hundred percent. Agree, agree, agree. So last week, Aubrey did a couple different shows. Grateful for Catherine McNeil. Grateful for uh, your husband, Kevin, who yeah, sat in. Hannah, Hannah Gronowski. Mm-hmm, lots of great uh, And her yes. husband as well. Yep. Uh, so grateful for that. But they were in because I was on vacation. Yes. And so let me let me make you jealous, Aubrey. You ready? Oh, I don't although, know if I want to hear it, Brian. Although... 
you know exactly where I was because I was sending you pictures. You were you sending pictures. me pictures. I was like, stop it. Stop it. I hate you. Stop it. You're like, I'm about to go on air and I sent you a picture <laughs> overlooking the ocean. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I'm struggling too here. Yeah, you were being a real jerk. So uh, my son had a baseball tournament, but it was like much more. Well, here's what I loved about it. It's in Myrtle Beach. That's and awesome. And so my oldest daughter was on a school trip, fun, unbelievable, life-changing trip in Costa Rica. Oh, that's so cool. And so... Uh, me and Carrie, Jackson, and Emily went to uh, Myrtle Beach. Yeah. And a ton of fun. The weather was gorgeous. I've told you before, my happy place is the beach. Yeah. And so we were at the beach. And he was at a baseball tournament, but it was like, it wasn't a very hardcore tournament. Okay. So it was mu- It was like, these types of things can either be primarily baseball with a little vacation. Yeah. This was primarily vacation, a little bit of baseball. Okay, that's awesome. So it was wonderful. That's so, awesome. Uh, but I want to tell you a weird thing that happened. But before I do, your happy place. If mine is the beach, if I told you, mm. Aubrey, uh, you're going to get to go somewhere, not even a location, but like a mountains, river, lake, ocean, whatever else it might be. I'm taking out theme park because I know that's oh, your answer. Oh, that was going to be my answer was theme park. Uh, it would definitely be the beach also. Like oh, okay. I, if it wasn't theme park would still and by theme park. I literally mean Disney theme parks. I don't mean like six flags. I would. I That's not that appealing to me. Disney theme parks and or the beach in Florida, especially the panhandle is mm. just like heaven to me. I I've been on Airbnb nonstop trying to find a place. And I think we're just going to skip it this year because of gas. But I'm counting on next summer. We're headed back. Okay. Yes, I, I'm a beach gal. My husband would say mountains without question. Yep. Mountains, yep. mountains. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we had a wonderful time. Like it was just a great family That's time, great so weather, awesome. great, all this stuff. But let me tell you something weird that happened because I think I'm not the only one who who uh, deals with stuff like this. Okay, let's hear. So every day, you know me, I'm not a late sleeper. I'm not this, yeah. but I slept in a little bit, Ugh, very restful, heaven. whatever else. Except Saturday we were flying out at like... Not till three o'clock, okay. but it was our last day. Yeah. Uh, and I woke up early, like I do at home. Yeah, because of I, the flight. Because of the not flight. Not because of the flight, oh. but because vacation was ending. I woke oh. up. I woke up like not stressed about anything in particular. Yeah. But just like I'm re-entering life. Okay. You're like preparing for it mentally now. I think all of us live, or most of us live, with an underlying sense of mm. anxiety. I'm telling you, I think you're on to something, Brian. When we go on vacation yeah. or when we unwind, yeah. uh, goes away. Yeah. But then it comes back. Yes. So I, let me be very clear. I have nothing to be overly stressed about right, right now. Right. Church is going well. Right. Radio's great. Family's good. All of this stuff. So it's not like I was like, oh, no, I have to go back mm-hmm. to this situation. It's just going back, yeah. right? Uh, a, do you think I'm right about that, that a lot of people deal with that? What do we do with that? How so, do we deal with that? It's so interesting you say that because I think I told you coming back from, I took my son to Florida for a friend's wedding and we did get to go to an amusement park a couple days. I came back so like um, almost depressed for a few days. And I would say it was what you're talking about. Like there's like this low level of anxiety that I think I live with, the world lives with, that we don't even realize because we're still functioning. It's not yeah. the kind of anxiety that makes you not able to function. It's not even the kind of anxiety. It's almost like white noise. You don't even know you're experiencing it until you're not. And then to re-enter into that, you kind of just start, I think, getting keyed up to like, okay, I got to go for this, 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 and this. Part of it for me, I felt, I think I told you, I felt very overwhelmed by the amount of email communication, the amount of mm. social media communication, the amount of 
that in and of itself is enough to make all of us go crazy with anxiety. Just like I have to respond to this, this is. And again, it feels like a normal part of our lives. So we don't even realize how it's impacting us. But I do think it's good information. Like that's good information for you to notice because it means something needs to change. I'm still trying to figure out how to change it. I don't know how to change it, except stay on vacation. Yeah, live a life on vacation, right? So so there are biblical answers to anxiety. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I think they come across flippantly, even though they're true, right? So as I told you, I've been preaching through 1 Peter. 1 Mm -hmm. Peter chapter 5, ironically, yesterday, uh, he says, cast your anxiety on God. And he gives a reason. He says, because he cares. Mm. And I'd never seen that before. I was like, oh, like Mm. what a... Simply profound statement there. Yeah. Why do we cast our anxiety in him? Because he cares. Mm, that's there's, so great. There's the book of Philippians, right? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, present your request to God. And then there's the promise of a peace that passes all understanding. Yeah. Uh, so this is a weird question <sighs> to ask you as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, are those true? Right. It's so funny. Even as you were saying that, I'm like, are those true? <laughs> question mark. Are yeah. those true? Do I think... Casting your cares on God because he cares for you is true. Yes. Do I think there's a peace that passes all understanding? Yes. The hard part is I feel like we, it's not always in the timing or the way that we want. Do you know what I mean? And so the act of surrender, that act of casting is so much more difficult than I think we really understand. And actually it's probably not that difficult. It's probably a matter of letting go of control, letting go of a lot of the things that we hold on to as an illusion of control and actually truly truly surrendering to God. In which case, I do think we would experience that Holy Spirit's like peace that is beyond explanation. But I think that we're so unwilling. It's so difficult for us to actually trust that that's true. I mean, like you said, I'm even questioning. Is it true? Is it true? What do you think, Brian? I think part of it, part of the issue is we don't recognize that we're anxious. Yeah, yeah. Like, how do we cast our anxieties on if him? We if we don't know, even know we have them. How do we pray about our anxieties if we don't acknowledge them? Like you said, there was a little bit of a flag for me getting up on Saturday morning, mm-hmm. still on vacation. I could hear the ocean. I was still in that same room, but yeah. going, oh, we're fly back today. I got to preach tomorrow. Yeah. I got to do this. Like like the, the, bur- the, the everyday burdens of life were just coming back. Right. And I do think there's an acknowledgement of just... Uh, even a low level anxiety. Yeah. Just a low level yep. anxiety. Yep. But then I think, you know, there are important things that we can do with, especially high levels of anxiety, right? Medication, uh, counseling, yes, all of this stuff. Absolutely. But it is kind of putting our, our faith into action to say, I believe that God cares. Mm-hmm. I believe he's made a promise of peace that passes understanding. Mm-hmm. So therefore, when I feel anxious, not high, not even just high level yeah. anxiety, yeah. when I feel normal uh, anxiety, I'm going to pray. Yeah. I'm going to slow down. Yeah. Maybe you have a journal that says my anxieties. Mm, right? That's like good, Brian. That's like really that. good. But instead, I think a lot of times we just go, well, this is life and we kind of burn through it. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that intentional invitation to start journaling, start giving it to God, make it a regular part of your practice to cast your anxieties on him. Because that might be part of the problem, too, is that we're trying to like, OK, this one time I gave God all of my anxiety. Yep. I'm not fixed now. I'm not better now. Well, what if it is like an invitation to regular, consistent surrender? I think that's the beautiful thing. And Brian, we've been talking a lot about the Supreme Court today, probably will over the next few days. But there was another story in the Supreme Court around a praying football coach. Why don't you tell the people about the story? Yeah, this one kind of flew under the radar a little bit with everything going on with 
uh, Roe versus Wade right now. But it says this, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled 6-3 to three on Monday that a high school coach's postgame prayers on a football field were in bounds. Joseph Kennedy's prayers are protected by the First Amendment's right to free speech and free exercise of religion, the court decided. The coach didn't coerce any Bremerton, Washington high school players into praying, so the school district was wrong to try to stop him from practicing his Christian faith. Uh, Neil Gorsuch, he said that the ruling would have been different if Kennedy had forced students to join him or said his prayers as part of his official coaching responsibilities. But state employees don't lose the right to say private prayers of Thanksgiving just because they work for a public school. Now, Justice Sonia Sotomayor wrote the dissent, joined by Elena Kagan and Stephen Breyer, said that despite the characterization in the majority opinions, Kennedy's prayers weren't actually brief, quiet, or private. Mm-hmm. And they shared photos where he was surrounded by praying players. And basically their point was, listen, even if it was, quote unquote, his own prayers, because of his position as yeah. football coach, yeah. there's a kind of an underlying expectation or or a pressure. And so uh, a lot of people who know better than I are hailing this as a victory for mm-hmm. free uh, for freedom of religion, yep. uh, for religious rights. Yeah. Uh, and, and sure, I'll, I'll say that's great. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm good with it. We are always pro prayer. We're always pro the ability for people to share uh, their faith. I'll be, the one thing I would say is that I would caution people um, this is not, we are not just for religious rights in these types as a country, yeah. uh, for just the majority religion. Right. And so if you're a fan, if you're cheering this, you also have to cheer the fact that maybe the Muslim coach, yes. uh, that your son or daughter may play for yeah. one day also has the same right. That Absolutely. Your Buddhist coach, that your atheist coach, whatever, yeah. uh, these are one of those things as a nation mm-hmm. that when we talk about religious freedom, it's not for a specific yeah. religion. And so I, I would just caution people with that. Like if that's if you're if you're super excited about this, which I am, it's great. I am too. Then just know you got to be okay with the the ramifications because we can't yeah. go. No, 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 no. This is just for Christian prayer. That's right. not how. Uh, a democracy works. Yeah. That's not how we work. So that's the story going on right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what we have to be really mindful of, that this is, um, you know, this is an advantage for religious liberty, and we should celebrate that. Some people are putting it in the freedom of speech category, sure. But then you're right, Brian, that does mean that then minority religious coaches have, or my, minority faith religious coaches have the right to do this as well. And we need to be as open and excited for that. And maybe not excited like, hey, we want our kids there. But like, oh, yes, if we get this right as Christians, then so do the minority faith right. coaches in our country as well. And so I think Brian and I are just telling you that because we want to caution you that this, if we're really going to talk about religious liberty and be an advocate for that, that means for Christians and other uh-huh. religions, other faiths, even for the atheist as well, who wants to do some type of speech at the end of the game. And so, you know, I guess just as parents, it's probably worth thinking about with your own kids. And, you know, before you, I don't know, but I, I guess what we're trying to say really all day is before you get online and start celebrating, woo. Think about the entire nuance and what this exactly means. But I would say we're both for this, excited. This is great that this coach can continue to pray. I I do wonder, Brian, because I didn't play sports growing up, but I can see a little bit of that power dynamic Mm -hmm. and how you want to do what the coach is doing to be a good teammate, to be on the coach's good side. Your teammates are also doing it. Uh, The power of prayer promotes good sportsmanship, I heard someone say recently. 
what would you think if you're back in high school playing sports, your coach is praying at the end of an event, you're at a public school, like what would you, what have your what would your experience of this have been? Yeah, that's interesting because um I don't know, right? Because well, let me read one thing that Sotomayor said. Said Kennedy, that's the coach, consistently invited others to join his prayers and for years led student athletes in prayer at the same time and location. The court ignores this history. So she's trying to make the point that it this was a wink, wink, like this is what we do as yeah, a team. Yeah, yeah. And I would say, in general, I'm for the religious freedom here. Like, yep. I want to celebrate this. Yes. We've, You and I have lamented the fact of um, of religious freedom being removed from our schools, right, right. from our uh, public square, whatever. Yeah. But you just need to know that this could mean if the, if the coach is a Muslim or is a Buddhist or whatever else – uh, that the same applies, yeah. and you got to talk your kids through that, and this, that, and I've I've seen some Christians' reactions going, oh no, I wouldn't be okay with that. If that's the case, and you shouldn't be okay with this, yeah. and you yeah. have to be like, we're talking national policy here, right. we're talking uh, who we are as a country, not as individuals, and yeah. so that's why it's good. I, what would it have been like? I think I think when you're on a team. And you feel like you can get in the good graces of a coach. You're going to do, do it, right? what the coach is at least implying that they want you to do. So yeah. I think there's another opportunity for parents to talk through things with their kids. Um, and, you know, again, religious freedom, in my opinion, religious freedom uh, needs to be for all religions. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. mean that I get up in a sermon and preach that all religions are equal. That's not no. what I'm saying. This is... Yeah. This is how do we act as a government, as yeah. a nation, as a uh, with the Constitution. Uh, and so it does make me think that there is greater latitude within schools, especially for students. You know, we've had that organization mm-hmm. in here that trains kids how to go in and run clubs and stuff like yep. that. Like there is an, an avenue for for the gospel to be shared uh, within within public schools. So anyway, uh, it's an important story. This is an important religious freedom story and i do as you said while there's some nuance and some landmines to it i do want to celebrate where they landed absolutely today. i feel like this was a this was a great decision for the supreme court something that can be can be celebrated while we consider what the whole picture looks like certainly that's true it's been a heavy day brian lots of things to celebrate but also lots of things to be concerned about and uh conversations about how to move forward with the overturning of roe v wade and um, one of the places that I like to go to is a woman named Karen Swallow Pryor. That's right. She has been a, a pro-life advocate for a very long time. She's been on the show several times. She's a woman of God. She's a woman of just thought and nuance. And she was actually interviewed by our other friend, Ed Stetzer, on his podcast um, as this news began to break I wanted to play some of the audio because Karen says something really interesting about what the church should be doing moving forward that I wanted you and I to talk about. Let's take a listen. We still need to have these Sanctity of Human Life Sundays. We still will need to have crisis pregnancy centers. We still will need to support women making these decisions. Um, I think that there's just so much more power and possibility in in these opportunities because we have the chance not only to save the lives immediately in front of us but we also and we also have the opportunity to change people's minds and to enlarge their imagination and as we do that then the laws will follow so before we were meeting these needs sort of knowing or or maybe you know at least accepting the fact that that choice would always be there or you know it was certainly 
at the time and would be for a time. But now we have the chance to really, you know, the rubber is meeting the road. Yeah. If we can show that we can make a difference in the lives of women and children, then that can actually be more effective in changing the laws so that the law too will protect them and serve them. So Brian, I I love that what Karen says is, you know, the first thing the church needs to do is begin to cast a vision for how beautiful life can be. And I really, really appreciate that because I do think some of the some of the conversation can feel so short sighted as if it's not a beautiful thing to bring life to this world. And so for her just to start by saying, look, the church needs to talk about how good life is and beautiful life is. And of course, that doesn't mean there's heartache and suffering and sacrifice that needs to happen, especially as parents bringing kids into this world. But like life is a gift. Mm. And so for the church to be able to express to our people, to the people we're leading to the world around us, that it is actually a really good, beautiful thing to bring babies to life and to just live life to the fullest because God has given us this beautiful life. There's something so powerful about that, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And and let me start by saying Karen Swallow Pryor has been at the forefront of the pro-life movement for years. Years, yeah. For years. And uh, unashamedly and uh, boldly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what I say that to say that then when Karen speaks— uh, I think she's somebody who has earned the right to be listened yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so she talks about, um, you know, kind of her surprise that this mm-hmm. happened. She said, I've advocated for this, but never really thought never it Never really happen. thought it would change. Yeah. Uh, and so, but she says, we must also think about why we think that innocent unborn children's lives should be protected. Mm. Uh, it's because they're made in the image of God. Yeah. And so she wants to use the Imago Dei, which we talk about on here mm-hmm. often, as the jumping off point for why we are anti-abortion, but also have that kind of overarching, um, the Imago Dei be the lens through which we see a lot of things yeah. uh, as opposed to, um, yeah. And so what does it mean in her words to, that all life is beautiful, that, that this is going to be the ethic that we live and to help people understand, as opposed to what we see with some people like, ah, we won or you lost. Right, or, there's right. this division going on. I, I feel like Karen wants to say, I am passionately anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. I am passionately pro-life. Mm-hmm. But I want to help even people who aren't see why that's the better way. Why that's a beautiful thing instead of kind of all of us getting kind of digging into our trenches yeah, and go, yeah. hey, I don't even care what you think. Yeah, I think it's so helpful. And like you said, she does talk about, of course, like that innocent unborn children's lives should be protected because they're made in the image of God. And then she goes on to say, and the lives of immigrants, refugees, those who might be inconvenient to us. If we're going to oppose the taking of innocent unborn life because that life is the made in the image of God that we need to be prepared about other policies. And I think that's such a, I think that's such a thoughtful response that, you know, something that others have said and you and I have said on the show before that being pro-life is not just being pro-birth, but it's being pro like all of life. And so that does help our imagination get bigger when we think about life and can, that's a starting place for the church is to give people a vision for what it means to just be like for life in general and then how that might play out in some of these different circumstances when it comes to, you know, someone who's abortion minded. I do think that's interesting. Like you said, she's been at the forefront of this conversation for a very long time and was passionate as an activist, knowing that it may never change. And yet Karen still was an activist. And so I think there's a, there's also something 
for the church in that. Like she's modeled for us endurance and long suffering and something she was passionate about and thought was right, knowing like the outcome may never change. Now it has, and that has surprised her, I'm sure, in really, you know, meaningful ways. But do you, I mean, what do you think about Karen's example there to like go for something even if you don't think it's ever going to? It's standing on principle. It's yeah. going, I'm not going to listen to or just kind of, you know, kind of put my finger in the air and see which way the wind is blowing. Yeah. And I, but it's saying this is what's right. Mm-hmm. This is what is um, we need to speak up for uh, babies who, who, you know, desperately need help and can't yeah. speak up for themselves. And sh- I think it's, it adds a weight of impressiveness to say, hey, I didn't think this would ever change, but I knew I was doing what I was right. Like we yeah. as Christians in general, not just in this topic, we are called to do what is right, mm. to speak up for the marginalized, mm. to speak up for the people who Jesus spoke up for, to do what is right, even if cultures and society is not going to yeah. accept that or whatever else it is. And Karen goes on to say uh, in that clip that, we need to be teaching young people. We need to be talking to our kids about not just, you know, Roe versus Wade and abortion right. and this and that, because, right. uh, but but also talking about the sanctity of life. Why do we believe that human life uh, in the womb is so important? Yeah. Help them process what they're hearing yeah. right now, because I'll tell you what, they're probably hearing a lot from their classmates and others of, mm-hmm. oh, these old white people or these old Supreme Court justices mm-hmm. or this this, they're just taking away our rights, and they're probably going, yeah, I agree, and need help processing what yeah. is going on. Yeah, that's that's so good for us to be talking about it to our kids, to the next generation. And I think going back to what Karen said at the beginning is for us as church leaders and for those of us who follow Jesus to really be being, I – th- I think that's an interesting thought. Like rather than trying to convince somebody to come to your side, what if you just celebrate the goodness that life is mm-hmm. and invite people into that to express that life is a gift and the vision that might get right. cast, like a like a pro like a an, a pro all of life vision that might become cast uh, through that. I think that's a good word for all of us. By the way, I want to talk about the fact that we have T-shirts with our you I know. know our show logo and our names yes. on it. I have not seen a picture of your older son without on, wearing it. Without wearing that T-shirt. No, can I actually tell you a story about this? So. I, okay, I took them to the movies to see the Buzz Lightyear movie. We went out to dinner, and then the next afternoon, I took them to the, or the next morning, I took them to the aquarium. And the whole time, I'm like, is he still wearing the common good shirt? <laughs> so then another morning, he still has on the common good shirt. And I was like, dude, you gotta put on a different shirt. And he was like, mom, I had on a different shirt yesterday. And all of us were like, no, you didn't. <laughs> yes, I did, mom. And he literally tried to lie to us and tell us he had on a different shirt, which we have proof. We have pictures. Yes. No, either he has multiple versions which of them, which could be. Or he's just a gross teenager and like he needs to change also could be. more often. But yeah, he loves the common good shirt. It's a, it is a nice t-shirt. If you need one, let us know. We'll, we'll send one to you. All right, Brian. Uh, one of the things we like to do at the end of every show is to leave our listeners with uh, just some good news stories. Yes. And over at theweek.com is this great place where they just gather good news stories of the week. Some of these stories are from last week. The first one is out of your home state, New Jersey. So why don't you share that story with us? Students celebrate New Jersey crossing guard retiring after 57 years. Known as the Queen of Walt Whitman Boulevard, Claire Bauman has spent the last 57 years keeping kids safe as they walk to and from Horace Mann Elementary School in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. The 94-year-old started her job as a crossing guard in 1965 
and said she kept coming back because she loved kids and staff at Horace Moran. Now she's finally hanging them up, but man, 57 That is years. amazing. She's 94 years old. You know, at our elementary school where I live, uh, I don't know. My kids have been out of school for a year yeah. or two now, so I don't know if he's still there, but this old guy is always Mr. Really? Bob. Oh. Uh, he is the crossing guard, and oh everybody gosh. loves Mr. So Bob. So precious. Yeah. Did you, you didn't share the part that they she arrived in work by a, a limo driven oh. by one of the first students she ever sent to school. That's awesome. Isn't that cute? Awesome. Okay. Here, uh, number two. Oh, I'm jealous of this story just by reading the title of it. Teacher in Hawaii right there. makes it her mission to get kids on surfboards and skateboards. This summer, dozens of kids in Hawaii will spend their day surfing and skateboarding thanks to Britt Oliphant. Oliphant teaches fourth grade at Kula Elementary School in Kula, Hawaii. One of her students is fascinated by skateboards, and when Oliphant learned that he didn't have his own board, she asked her friend, professional skateboarder Zach Miller, for help. He gave her a signed pro-model skateboard for the student to hang on his wall and a new skateboard he could ride. That inspired Oliphant to launch Boards for Buddies, a grassroots organization that collects used skateboards and surfboards and distributes them to kids in need. Miller owns a skate shop in Encinitas, California, and he regularly sends donations to Oliphant. In the last three months, Oliphant has handed out more than 50 skateboards and surfboards to kids in Hawaii. We really want to get to the point that we can go to communities and build mini ramps, spots for kids if they don't have a park, Oliphant told NPR. We're going to make it happen. We've got big dreams and the right people on our side. That's a cool story. That is. I like All right. that. Next, this California preschool teacher is helping her dad <gasps> learn how to read and what? write. Lucy Flores is a preschool teacher in San Francisco who is also working closely with one very special older student, her father. Lucy told Good Morning America that her dad, Luciano Flores, grew up in Mexico and had to stop going to school in the first grade so he could earn money to support his family. He never learned how to read or write. And as a construction worker, it's not something where you have to sign things, Mm. Lucy said. It's more math, which he's gotten really good at. Lucy, her mother, and her siblings have always helped Luciano fill out forms. But about four months ago, Lucy, the first person in her family to graduate from college, decided it was time to teach her dad how to handle this task on his own. Three days a week, they spend two hours working together. And today, Luciano can write his name and is reading some books on his own. That's awesome. He was hesitant at first, Lucy told Good Morning America, but quickly became excited. And as an added bonus, spending this extra time together has strengthened Lucy and Luciano's bond. That's that is a great story. Right this is I'm going to make my kids read this when they complain about school. <laughs> All right, number four, Trumpet the the Bloodhound wins Best in Show at Westminster Dog Show. Not to toot his own torn horn, but toot toot. Trumpet, a bloodhound, was named Best in Show on Wednesday night at the 146th Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. The champion canine, the first bloodhound to ever win the competition, was victorious over six other finalists. Hollywood, the Maltese, Winston, the French Bulldog, River, the German Shepherd, Belle, the English Setter, Striker, the Samoyed, and M.M., the Lakeland Terrier. Organizers said that this year, close to 3,500 dogs, excuse me, representing more than 200 breeds and varieties competed in the show. Uh, do you like watching the dog show? I mean, I there's a really funny, you remember that Christopher Guest dog yes. show? I like that. I like Best in Show. Yep, that's not the dog show. Yeah. But yes, that was a good movie. All right, last one. Creative mom picks up do-it-yourself, or should I say DIY? DIY, obviously. DIY tricks from YouTube and totally transforms her home. Okay. Nikki Coles has stayed busy over the last two years. At the beginning of the pandemic, the 37-year-old mom of two from Essex, England, 
decided if she was going to be inside, she might as well do a few projects around the house. At the same time, she was studying for law school. Coles began watching DIY videos on YouTube, and soon she was upgrading each room in her house. With her new skills, Coles recently revamped her kitchen. She retiled the floor, changed out the countertops, and applied fresh paint to the cupboards and walls, doing everything herself. She went to thrift shops and found items for free on Facebook, so it only cost her about $245 to get a stylish new kitchen. It kind of started with a little bit of tweaking here and there, and then I really got the bug, she Hmm. said. Coles is working on her final project, redecorating a bathroom. Wow. And said it just goes to show what you can do even as a busy mom on a budget. And if I can can inspire other mums in any way, (laughs) shape, or form, then I'm happy. Two things about that. That's really impressive. YouTube's a wonderful thing. I mean... Don't you think, number two, don't you think we should start calling you all mums? Yeah, I'd like to be called a mum from now on. I want you to go home and tell your children, we're going to go British on this one. And I would like you to call me mum. Yeah, I'm going to do that from now on. Mum. Hey, mum. Mum, mum, what are you doing? Sometimes Kevin will call his, well, you, before she passed away, would call his mom Ma. 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 (laughs) And I'm like, I don't, don't don't call me Ma. I don't ever want that. But mum, I will take mum. Queen mother, I will take that as well. Queen mum. Yeah. The queen mum, Aubrey Sampson. I like it. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope those good news stories put a smile on your face. We'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.